Welcome to the Wiley Reads Podcast. I'm Mommy, and I have Wiley here. Say hello, Wiley. Hi. And we're going to continue with Tom Sawyer with Chapter 2. This would be Episode 5. Five. We made it to five episodes. You know, they say something in the podcast world. um, Most podcasts don't make it to seven. So after we record Episode 7, we're going to have a little party. We're going to make it to seven, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Okay, so we're recording this on a Saturday. This is our weekend, so we might be a little bit short tonight. We might not quite finish chapter two, but we're going to see how far we can get. Yeah, we have half episode today. Half episode today, and then half tomorrow. So this might be split into parts, but that's okay. All right, you ready to get started? Yeah. All right, there you go. Saturday morning was come, and all the summer world was bright and bright and fresh and brimming with life. There was a song in every heart, and and if the heart was young, the music issued at the lips. There was cheer in every face, and and a spring in every step. The locust trees were were in bloom, and the fragrance of the blossoms filled the air. Cardiff Hill. Beyond the village and above it was green with vegetation and it lay just far enough away to seem a delectable land, dreamy, reposeful, and inviting. Tom appeared on the sidewalk with a bucket of whitewash and, <clears throat> and a long-handed brush. He surveyed the fence and all, and all gladness left him in a deep... Melan melancholy 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 that means like sadness like he's sad he's got so he's got a bucket of whitewash that's paint so he's got to paint a fence yeah keep going uh a deep melancholy settled him down settled down upon his spirit 30 yards of board fence nine feet high Yikes. life to him seemed hollow and existence life to him seemed hollow and the existence but a burden <laughs> sighing he dipped his brush he dipped his brush and passed it along the topmost plank repeated repeated the operation did it again, compared the insignificant whitewash streak with the far-reaching con- continent of unwhitewashed fence and <laughs> sat down on a tree box, discouraged. Jim came skipping out at the gate with a tin pail. That's bucket. Yeah. And singing Buffalo Gals. I've never heard of that song. Must be an old tune. Bringing water from the town pump had always been hateful work in Tom's eyes. Before, before, but, but, but before, but now it did not strike him so. He remembered that there was his company at there was company at there there was company at the pump. Why, mud mud. Mulatto. Mulatto and Negro boys and girls 
We're always waiting there. Turns, resting, trading, playthings, quarreling, fighting, skylarding. And remember that although the pump was only 150 yards off, Jim never got back with a bucket of water under an hour. <laughs> and, he, and even then, somebody generally had to go after him. Tom's, Tom said, hey Jim, I'll fetch the water if you'll whitewash some. Jim shook his head and said, I can't, Mars Tom. Oh, oh, Mrs. She told me I got to go in, get this water, and not stop fooling around with anybody. She, she say, she spec Mars Tom going to ask me whitewash so she told me go long and tend to my own business she loud she loud she loud she loud she tend to the whitewashing oh never mind you what she said to him jim 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 you got it you got it that's the way she always talks give me the bucket I, I, I won't be gone only uh, a minute. Mm-hmm. Only uh, a minute. Yeah, there's another typo. It looks like there's two A's. Only uh, a minute. We found another typo. <gasps> We're proofreading. Keep going. <sighs> she won't ever know. She won't ever know. Oh, doesn't Mars Tom. Oh, oh I doesn't Mars. I oh. think he's saying, I dare not, Master Tom. Old Mrs. said she'd take, in, take and tar the head off of me. Deed she would. She, she never licks anybody. She, she never licks anybody. Wax him over the head with her thimble. <laughs> and who cares for that? I like to know. She talks awful. She talks awful, but talk don't hurt. Anyway, it anyway it don't if it don't if she don't cry, Jim. I'll give you a marvel, and I'll I'll give you a white alley. Jim began to waver. I think that's marbles. A marvel and a white alley. I think those are types of marbles. Anyway. He's trying to bargain with him to, to do his painting so he can go um, fetch water instead. White Alley Jim, it's a bully tall. My, that's a mighty guy Marvel. I tell you, but Mars Tom, I's powerful Fredel missus. Who is Mars Tom? Uh, that's, that's Tom, he's, he's, he's saying Master Tom. Mars Tom. It's a dialect thing, but it, it means like Mr. Tom. Uh, it's a dialect thing and a you know cultural thing too. Anyway, Mars. that that's how Jim talks to Tom. So anyway, sounds like he has no teeth. No. And besides, if you will, I'll show you my sore toe. Mm-hmm. 
Jim was only human. This attraction was too much for him. He put down his pail, took the white alley, and bent over the toe with absorbing interest while the bandage was, was being unwound. In another moment, he was flying down across the street with his pail and a tingling rear. Tom was whitewashing with vigor. 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 And Aunt Polly was retiring from the field with a slipper in her hand and triumph in her eye. But Tom's energy did not last. He began to think of the fun he had planned for this day, and his sorrows multiplied. <laughs> soon, he, soon the free boys would come tripping along all sorts of delicious expeditions. They, they would make a world of fun. Make a world of fun of him for having to work. Come on, give me this. Come on, Wiley, give me this. Make a world of fun of him for having to work. The very thought of it burnt him like fire. He he got out of his worldly wealth and examined it, and examined it. Bits of toys, marbles, and trash. Enough to buy an exchange of work, maybe, but not half enough to buy so much as half an hour of pure freedom. So he returned his straightened means to his pocket and gave up the idea of trying to buy the boys. Boys. At this dark and hopeless moment, an, an inspiration burst upon him. Nothing less than a great, magnificent inspiration. He took up his brush and went tranquilly to work. Ben Rogers hove in sight presently, the, presently, the very boy of all boys wh whose ridicule had been dread dreading. He had been dreading. Now this is a very famous and funny scene. So this, <laughs> this is awesome. Coming up. Okay. Tom, Ben's, I'm just, I'm just going to foreshadow. Tom is a con artist. He's a con artist. Read. Okay. Ben's gait was the hip skip and jump proof enough that his heart was light and his anticipations high. He was eating an apple and giving a long melodious whoop at intervals, followed by a deep tone ding dong, ding dong. Ding, ding. dong dong, ding dong dong for he was personating a steamboat. Mm. As he drew near, he, he slackened speed, took the middle of the street, leaned far over to starboard, and rounded to ponder ponderously and with laborious pomp. Laborious. Laborious pomp and circumstance, for he was personating the big Missouri, and considered himself to be drawing nine feet of water. He was boat and captain and engine bells combined. So, 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 so he had to imagine himself standing up on his own hurricane deck, giving the orders and, and executing them. Okay. Stop her, sir, tingling-ling. The, the headway almost, the headway ran almost out, and he drew up slowly toward the sidewalk. Ship up to back, tingling ling. 
His arms straightened and stiffened down his sides. Set her back on the stabboard. 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 I think it means starboard. Stabboard. Mm-hmm. Tingling ling, tingling ling, chow, ch-chow, wow, chow. His right Do you hand- know what that is? You know what that's referred to? Like this, the sounds? Onomatopoeia. Can you say onomatopoeia? Onomatopoeia. But it means like sounds in the text. It's supposed to be like sound I text. know. Yeah, got it. Okay. Well, for the benefit of the audience, maybe they don't know. Onomatopoeia is sound effects in the text. The left hand began to describe circles. Stop the stabbered. Tingling ling. Stop this. Stop the labbered. Stop the lab board. I don't know what that means. To be honest. Come ahead on the stabbered. Stop her. Let let your outside turn over slow. Tingling ling. Chow wow ow. Get out that headline. Lively now. Come out with your spring line. What are you about there? Take a turn around that stump with the with a bite of, of it. Stand by that stage. Now let her go. Done with the engine, sir. Tingling ling. Okay, now that's more automatopoeia. Trying to gauge cocks. Tom. Tom went on whitewashing, paid no attention to the steamboat. Ben stared a moment and then said, Hi-yi. Hi-yi. You're up a stump, ain't you? No answer. Tom surveyed his last touch with the eye of an artist. Then he gave his brush another gentle sweep and surveyed the result. As before, Ben rang up alongside of him. Tom's mouth watered for an apple, but he stuck to his work. Ben said, hello, old chap. You you got to work, hey? Should I read Ben? I'll read Ben. Okay. Hello, old chap. You got to work, hey? Tom wheeled suddenly and said, why, it's you, Ben. I wasn't noticing. Say, I'm going in a swimming, I am. Don't you wish you could? But of course, you'd rather work, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Tom contemplated the boy a bit and said, That's Tom. What do you call work? Why ain't that work? Tom, Tom resumed his whitewashing and answered carelessly, Well, maybe it is, and maybe I ain't. Maybe, All it ain't. I, maybe it ain't. All I know is it suits Tom Sawyer. Oh, come oh. now. You don't mean to let on that you like it. The brush continued to move. Like it? Well, I don't see why why I ought to like it. Does a boy get a chance to whitewash a, fans, a fence every day? That that put the thing in in a new light. Ben stopped nibbling his apple. Tom swept his brush daintily back and forth, stepped back to stepped back to note the effect, added a touch of brush, 
a touch here and there and criticized the effect again, Ben watching every move and getting more and more interested, more and more absorbed. Presently, he said, Say, hey, Tom, let me whitewash a little. Tom considered, was about to consent, but then, but he altered his mind. No, no, I reckon it would, it wouldn't hardly do, Ben. You see, Aunt Polly is awful particular about this fence right here on the street, you know. It, but if it was the if it was the back fence, I wouldn't mind, and she wouldn't. Yes, she's awful particular about this fence. It's got to be done very careful. I reckon there ain't a boy in, in a thousand, maybe two thousand, that can do this just the way it's got to be done. No, is that so? Oh, come on now, let me just try, only just a little. I'd let you, if you was me, Tom. Mom, we're already, we're 16 Oh, all right, minutes. we are uh, 17 minutes in almost. So I guess we'll stop there for now. And Wiley is excused until tomorrow. He's gotta read 15 more minutes. But um, I'm gonna come back and read you some more biography um, information. Um, just because I want to. So I will share that with you in a minute. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Alright, so this is Mommy here. Um, it is a Saturday, as I said. And so Wiley only has to do uh, a, a small amount of reading for his homework. But I am enjoying editing together this podcast, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to um, just revisit the biography of Mark Twain, a.k.a. Samuel Langhorn Clemens. We touched on it uh, when we started off, but I'm going to read the biography in the beginning of our book, just in case you're curious, because there's a lot of context here uh, that I'm curious about, maybe you're curious about too. So, the biography goes thus. Samuel Langhorne Clemens, November 30th, 1835 through April 21st, 1910, better known by his pen name, Mark Twain, was an American author and humorist. He wrote The Adventures of Tom Sawyer in 1876, 1876, and its sequel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn in 1885, the latter often called the great American novel. Early life. Samuel Langhorne Clemens was born in Florida, Missouri on November 30th, 1835. He was the son of Jane, a native of Kentucky, and John Marshall Clemens, a Virginian by birth. His parents met when his father moved to Missouri and they were married several years later in 1823. He was the sixth of seven children, but only three of his siblings survived childhood. Wow, can you imagine? His brother Orion, what a cool name, Henry, who died in a riverboat explosion and Pamela, uh, who died in 1904. His sister Margaret died when he was three. His brother Benjamin died three years later. Another brother, Pleasant, they named, his, they named their son Pleasant, died at six months. 
Twain was born two weeks after the closest approach to Earth of Halley's Comet. When he was four, Twain's family moved to Hannibal, Missouri, a port town on the Mississippi River that inspired the fictional town of St. Petersburg in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Oh my gosh, it's a fictional town based on Hannibal, Missouri. Okay, so (laughs) this answers a lot of questions. Hannibal, Missouri um, is the fictional town of St. Petersburg, Missouri. Got it. Missouri was a slave state, and young Twain became familiar with the institution of slavery, a theme he would later explore in his writing. Twain's father was an attorney and judge. The Hannibal and St. Joseph Railroad was organized in his office in 1846. Slavery is bad. Slavery is bad. That's not not in dispute. And it should be illegal everywhere. And it is illegal everywhere. Um, The railroad connected the second and third largest cities in the state and was the westernmost United States Railroad until the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad. It delivered mail to and from the Pony Express. Marriage and children. Throughout 1868, Twain and Olivia Langdon corresponded, but she rejected his first marriage proposal. Two months later, they were engaged. In February 1870, Twain and Langdon were married in Elmira, New York, where he had courted her and overcome her father's initial reluctance. She came from a wealthy but liberal family, and through her, he met abolitionists, socialists, principled atheists, and activists for women's rights and social equality, including Harriet Beecher Stowe, his next-door neighbor in Hartford, Connecticut. That's interesting. I did not know that. Frederick Douglass and the writer and utopian socialist William Dean Howells, who became a longtime friend. The couple lived in Buffalo, New York from 1869 to 1871. Twain owned a stake in the Buffalo Express newspaper and worked as an editor and writer. While living in Buffalo, their son, Langdon, died of diphtheria at age 19 months. They had three daughters, Susie, Clara, and Jean. The couple's marriage lasted 34 years until Olivia's death in 1904. All of the Clemens family are buried in Elmira's Woodlawn Cemetery. Later life and death. Twain passed through a period of deep depression that began in 1896 when his daughter Susie died of meningitis. Olivia's death in 1904 and Jean's on December 24, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1909, deepened his gloom. On May 20th, 1909, his close friend Henry Rogers died suddenly. In 1906, Twain began his autobiography in the North American Review. In April, Twain heard that his friend, Ina Coolbrith, had lost nearly all she owned in the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, and he volunteered a few autographed portrait photographs to be sold for her benefit. To further aid Coolbrith, George Wharton James visited Twain in New York and arranged for a new portrait session. Initially resistant, Twain admitted that Four of the resulting images were the finest ones ever taken of him. 
Twain formed a club in 1906 for girls he viewed as surrogate granddaughters, the Angel Fish and Aquarium Club. The dozen or so members ranged in age from 10 to 16. Twain exchanged letters with his Angel Fish girls and invited them to concerts and theater and to play games. Twain wrote in 1908 that the club was his life's chief delight. In 1907, Twain met Dorothy Quick, then aged 11, on a transatlantic crossing, beginning a friendship that was to last until the very day of his death. That's sad. Okay, um, and here's the preface of Tom Sawyer. Many of the adventures... Okay, this is written by um, uh, Mark Twain himself. This is the preface. Most of the adventures recorded in this book really occurred. One or two were experiences of my own. The rest of those boys who were schoolmates of mine. Huck Finn is drawn from life. Tom Sawyer also, but not from an individual. He is a combination of the characteristics of three boys whom I knew, and therefore he belongs to the composite order of architecture. The odd superstitions touched upon were all prevalent among children and slaves in the West at the period of this story. That is to say, 30 or 40 years ago. Although my book is intended mainly for the entertainment of boys and girls, I hope it will not be shunned by men and women on that account. For part of my plan has been to try to pleasantly remind adults of what they once were themselves and of how they felt and thought and talked and what queer enterprises they sometimes engaged in. The author, Hartford, 1876. Okay, so one of my questions was, was this um, pre or post Civil War? So he's writing this in post Civil War, 1876, but he says here in this preface that it was set 30 or 40 years before that. So this is pre-Civil War setting. Um, okay, so um, we're going to end our episode there. And I'll see you tomorrow where we will finish Chapter 2, the famous um, and much anticipated by me personally, the uh, fence painting um, episode. Uh, chapter. So look forward to that. See you next time. Goodbye.